Church, isn't God good? He's not having a day off or having a bad day. Man, He's so good to us. If we would just, if we would just open our eyes and just take in how beautiful, how wonderful He really is. You know, sometimes, especially in times like this, it's so easy to focus on all the negative and forget how good our God is. Let's make the choice, church, to focus in on the goodness of our God in your life. Amen? Amen. He is faithful. He was, He is, and He always will be faithful. Amen? Amen. Last Sunday, we talked about who you are, and I had a couple of people message me and talk to me through the week and who you are in Christ is is really vital because when you know who you are in Christ it helps you or determines how you live your life but let me tell you this in the quest because you see this all the time I've heard this many times thousands of times as I've talked to people I'm just trying to figure out my own life. I'm trying to figure out who I am. Let me tell you this, and I tell you this in sincerity. Unless you know and experience Christ, you really will not know who you really are. I mean, you... Unless you know who God made you to be, that you are not an accident, you are not just a product of like a big bang and everything just came together and you were formed, unless you quit thinking like that and believe that God made you, you will never realize the purpose to which you live your life or why you live your life. Because if you don't know who God says you are, because that's all that really matters, you will waste your, let me say this, waste your time running after what people say and what, People have to say about you. The time and the energy and all the emotions that go with that. Trying to find your identity based on what people have to say or even trying to find your identity based on what you yourself have to say is a waste of time. When the truth and what really matters is what God says about you in His Word, church. Because what God says is the only truth. That is the only truth. And I need you to and I encourage you to listen to that truth. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. I don't want to say that. That the world offers. We looked at it last week and I just... We looked about who we are and just the five things that I had. Acceptance. We come to God just the way we are. We don't have to put on anything. Because He knows us. He knows you. You may fool us, you know, dress up the best you can on a Sunday morning to come to church. Somehow you think God's going to accept you because you dressed well. I'm not saying don't dress up and have a shower, but you know what I mean. (laughs) We want people to come back, not run away. But God accepts you. You don't have to pretend to be something or somebody else. Just be you and God accepts you just the way you are. Yes, He also also expects you to change also, right? Don't change because I tell you to do it. Change because that's what you know God wants from your life. You're accepted. You are valued. You have worth. No matter how many times people have told you, you will add up to nothing in your life. You have worth because God thinks you are priceless. You are worth so much that he gave his son to die on a cross for you. And if he loves you so much, it must mean that you are worth something. So don't believe the lie of the enemy that says unless you have this and have that, you are worth something. No. You are worth it because he loves you. And that's the third part. He loves you. You are loved. There is nothing you can do that can stop God from loving you. You can make a choice to walk away and do your own thing. But God will never stop loving you. And because He loves you, He offers forgiveness. You are forgiven. 
You can do your own thing. You can do whatever you want to. But church, the truth is this. When you come to him and all you have to do is accept his forgiveness, you don't have to crawl around the church on your hands and knees five times for him to forgive you. I mean, you can give a million dollars and maybe I'll think about it. I'll put in a word for you. Good word. But that's not what his forgiveness is dependent on. His forgiveness is, the, He forgives you. All you've got to do is come to a place where you accept that forgiveness. That's when, if you don't accept it, there's no point. And He's empowering you. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives every single day. It comes when we realize that He has given us the Holy Spirit who lives richly in each and every one so that whatever the world or the enemy may throw at us, we can say, God who is in me is greater than he that is in the world, church. Yeah. That's who we are. And I said this last time, it's important to know who you are in Christ because your understanding, finally, after all this, that understanding determines how you live your life. Answering who you are is very important because that's when you can really ask the question, why am I here? Because honestly, if you just believe you are a product of something that just happened, there is no purpose for that. You can't. It's kind of ironic to say you, things just happened. You know, just happened because of, you know, all these molecules came together and suddenly there was a spark and there was life and everything else. You started breathing. If you think you just were a chance, a product of chance, you cannot have purpose and meaning in life, really. You cannot balance those two unless you believe that someone created you for a purpose. Why? The why behind my life. What on earth am I here for? Let me say it again. You've got to know who you are first before you know why you were created. We all know, you know, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But what is God's plan for our lives? What is God's plan for our lives? And what I have to share today is probably nothing. If you've been in church long enough, you know what it is. But I want to encourage you and remind you this morning and challenge you to once again consider what I have to say. Because life is more than just waking up in the morning, getting ready, going to work, going to school or whatever and coming back. Just plopping yourself on the couch, watching some TV or Netflix or whatever you watch and going back to bed and then getting up the next morning and doing the same thing again. There is more to life than, than, than just that because that is just existing. That is not really living Life has to have meaning. Life has, has to have purpose, church. It's not just, please listen to me, because a lot of people are just work, you know, wake up, eat, work, go to sleep. That's it. Some of us don't even want to work. We'd rather wait for the government to bail us out, right? Sorry, I'm stepping on people's toes, but oh well. When you understand God's will for your life, church, you will live your life with meaning and purpose. You will live life, if I can use the word intentionally, when you understand God's will for your life. Turn with me to Ephesians. I'm going to go, and this, push, this message pushes me outside my comfort zone too. But turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says, be very careful then how you live your life. Not as unwise, I'm reading from the older version here, sorry, and I will read from another version too. Not uh, as unwise, but as wise. Another translation says, not as the foolish do. Not as unwise, live your life not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now church, the context here, of course, is Paul talking to the church in uh, Ephesus. 
But I want to just focus on the broader theme of what is God's will. When it says understand what the Lord's will is in your life. Do you understand Lord's will in your life? Because that is such a big question. And I, I, can, I can't count the number of times people have asked me that question. Now let me be honest, I cannot tell you what God's will is in, in every situation in your life when you're making decisions. But let me tell you this, as you follow and you determine in your heart to follow these overarching things that you know are God's will or is God's will for your life, you will find answers for the more specific things you need to do. The most specific answers you need in your day-to-day -day life. We are created for a purpose. We are created. God has a purpose for our life. And I want to look at five things that I can call, you know, what we are created for, what we are called to do. Five things that I want to look at. Five things I want us to consider as we talk about the purpose and will of God in our lives. But before I do that, I want to ask a question that that just came to me a few months back, actually, and I just as I was preparing for this, I, I reread the same thing, and in a sense, it kind of jogged my memory. And again, this question is not really from the Bible, you know, so just bear with me as I go, as I go, uh, or just go with me and get my logic, you know, because this is a very hypothetical, let's say an extreme example. Here's the question. If God asked you, if God came to you and asked you to give him reasons why he should let you live through 2021, what would you say? If God asked you, now please again, don't get me wrong. If God were to come to you and ask you to give him reasons why he should let you live through 2021, what would you say? Again, please don't understand me. God is not looking for a reason to chop your head off or knock you off or whatever. To get rid of you. I'm not saying that at all. At all. At all. I'm not trying to scare you into, you know, if you die today, where are you going? I'm not trying to do that at all. Please understand what I'm saying. This is an extreme. This is a hypothetical situation. But the reason it came to me a few months back is because I bought this new tool that I'm working with. It worked great for a couple of weeks, but then the gears started slipping. And like everything, now it's, it's costlier to fix something than to throw it away and buy something new. You know what I'm talking about nowadays? It's, I don't know, they just make it that way. And so I'm sitting there with this tool and I'm thinking, I just need to throw this, toss this one away, you know, and it's just lying there in my shed. I'm waiting to just throw it away because I can't use it anymore. And it made me think, God made me for a purpose and if I'm not living to fulfill the purpose for which I'm created, am I like this tool? No use to God at all. Again, please don't get me. Please, please, please don't misunderstand me. God is not going to condemn you or discard you or throw you away or dump you because you didn't read your Bible for the past year. He's not going to do that. God's not going to abandon you. That's not the God we serve. But all I'm saying is God created you for a purpose. Are you living according to that purpose in your life? Because if you're not living according to that purpose, you're just existing. You're just going through the motions. You're just taking up space. You're not really living. And so my question to you is the same thing. If God came to you today and asked you, Chandler, Chandler, what are you living for today? What would you say? It's for everybody. Sorry, it's Chandler's right in front of me. I'll wait for his answer later. Uh, but that's the, that's the honest question we've got to ask ourselves. Because we're so used to doing church. Do we stop to ask ourselves the question, if God were really to come to you and ask you, what are you living for today, what would you say? And I, my family, kids, work, whatever. What would we say? Again, like I said, if I'm being honest, I want my life to count. I want my life to count, but I realize it will only count when I live according to His plan and His purpose for my life. For which he created me. For which he has called me. Number one. The first reason God created. and Or first thing God called us. Purpose God has created and called us to. Number one. I say is worship. Worship. God wants me to center my life around him. 
He didn't put us, again, he didn't put us on this earth to live a self-centered life. He wants us to live our life God-centered. God-centered. To learn how to love Him and how to enjoy His love for us, but also learn how to love Him back. God made you to love you. He wants you to build your life around Him, with Him at the center of your life. I said this the other day. I like to play with words, play on words and everything else. But, you know, God doesn't want to be part of your life. He wants to be the reason you live. He wants to be at the center of it all. He doesn't want to be part of your life, not a segment of your life, not a slice of your life. He wants to be at the very heart of your life. You create, I mean, you are created, church, you are created to have a real, authentic relationship with Him. To be loved by Him and to love Him in return. We are created to worship. Now, God doesn't want our worship, please. It's, yes, worship is giving Him His worth. God doesn't want us just to come and keep, you know, it's not to give God a big ego. He doesn't want that. God wants a real, authentic relationship where we realize how much He loves us and then everything within us wants to love Him back because of how much He loves us. What's the greatest command? He says in Matthew, what, 22, love the Lord your God what is it, Matthew, whatever. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the command. That's our purpose. The first and the greatest command, he says. That's what it is. The first purpose in your life is to love Him back. That's what really is at the heart of worship. To love Him with everything within you. I know a lot of people think worship is just singing and you've been here long enough you know that's not true that's one of the ways we worship God with singing but worship is simply recognizing and enjoying God's love and in your life and loving him back church to know Christ the purpose in your life number one is to know Christ and to make him the center of your life the most important thing you can do is to know God the most important thing you can experience is experience His love. Experience His love. Unless you experience His love for yourself, you can never really love Him back. Yes, my mother had a great experience with God, and she, I can't love God based on my mother's experience with Him. I got to love Him back because I have experienced His love, and we have got to open our hearts and allow Him to love us. We are made or He made us to have a relationship to Him. Anytime you focus on God, you're worshiping Him. Anytime you take your eyes off the problem and fix your eyes on Christ, you're worshiping Him. Anytime you talk to Him or listen to Him, you're worshiping Him. Worship is basically centering and living our lives with Christ at the center of it all. Church, Here's the truth. We are created to worship, and if we don't worship God, we are worshiping something else. We are worshiping something else, and we know anything that takes... I mean, you can worship God. I mean, you can worship your career. You can worship your family. You can worship money. You can worship a lot of things. It simply is whatever's taking the place of God. That's it. That's what the Bible calls an idol. We replace God with so many things. We know what the Bible talks about idols, right? How do I know that something is an idol in my life? If it replaces Christ at the center, it's an idol. Now, I can't make the call and tell you what's the idol in your life. You've got to figure that out. Yes, as a pastor, I pray and, you know, I may lovingly approach you if I see something that, you know, but you've got to make that call and make that decision yourself. And here's, here's, the, here's the, I think, which is a, we call it a litmus test. Do we use that phrase here in America? I'm assuming. You know what I'm talking about. Here's the test. How do I know that God is at the center of my life? 
And I think this is key. Because when he's not at the center of your life, you worry more than you ought to. Instead of enjoying his peace, we tend to worry a lot more than we ought to. When you have God at the center of your life, you enjoy his peace. You enjoy his peace. Not saying we will ever quit worrying. Yes, we're working towards not worrying. But it just stresses you out way more than you need to when God is not at the center of your life. Worship is, I think, God, you be the center of my life. That's it. You've got to make the decision. Number one, we were created to worship, to have this relationship with God. That's one of the purposes why we were created. Number two, the second reason we were created is fellowship. Fellowship. God wants us, created us for fellowship, to learn to love as much, and it flows from the first, you can't deny it. As we love God more, we are called to love one another too. Especially his family. Because the whole idea of learning to love God is not so that this is always correct. It's so that we can learn to love one another too. And why is he so interested in love? Because God is love. That's who he is. That's why he's so interested in love and this whole idea here. But church, God wants us to, and if I can say this, to find a body of believers, what I call the local church. To find a church, join it, get connected so that I learn what it really means to love one another. Love one another, care for one another, help one another, pray for one another, serve one another, greet one another, comfort one another. It can go on and on and on. You can't do that by sitting on a couch at home. Or you can do it in a very, very, very limited way. And that's why it kind of rubs me the wrong way when I look at people, you know, and who are all about, you know, it's just us for and, you know, it's us for and no more. You live lives like that. You're not living according to what God has called you and created you to be. It's easy to love people who love us back, correct? But God wants us to learn to love those who feel and who are very unlovable. It's just, God doesn't, church, God never intended for you to live an isolated life. I mean, that's why he created Eve in the first place. He didn't want man to be alone, right? He created us for community. He created us for fellowship. And he wants us to learn to love and build authentic relationships within the body of Christ. Where we love and learn to love one another. Learn to worship God together. Learn to encourage one one another. That's why even, yes, in a church, but that's why the whole idea of small groups is that. Because in a church, you can get lost. But as you connect in smaller groups, you can care for one another better. And God willing, we'll be able to start that up pretty soon again. But fellowship, we are created for relationships. Relationships with God and relationships with each other. And not shallow relationships. You cannot have a shallow relationship with God and have a good relationship with people. The same way you can't have a real relationship with God and then have shallow relationships with people. Something is not right there. Because if you really love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, you cannot help but love others the same way. I read this as I was looking at the illustrations for this, so I, I didn't verify this, but the Department of Mental Health in California, they discovered that if you isolate yourself from other people, you don't develop any, or, or don't develop any close friendships, fellowships, here's the result. You are three times more likely to die an early death. You are four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. You have five times more likely to be clinically, clinically depressed. Ten times more likely to be hospitalized with emotional and mental disorders. Just because you don't have loving relationships in your life. I didn't verify that, but I thought that was interesting if it's true. The truth is, long before God even created this world, He created us so that He can love us. And that when we learn to love Him, we will also learn to love one another. God has called again, remember... God needs to be at the center of your life if you're going to really love your neighbor. You really, God, you cannot, let me say this, Christian life is not a solo act at all. 
We're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to live together in community. And if you read the book of Acts, especially Acts chapter 2, just reading a few verses, uh, verse 41, it says those after, you know, verse 2, where Peter gets up and talks and preaches and all that. And then verse 41, it says, those who believed were, those who believed were baptized and added to the church. And then it goes on and it says they worshiped together regularly at the temple courts and they met at homes, breaking bread together, talking about, yes, they gathered together as a temple. That's the whole idea of small groups that we're trying to do. You know, yes, they gathered together in the temple courts, but they also met together in homes, breaking bread together. That's fellowship church. Yes, they believed, they were baptized, and they were added to the church. And how did they do that? How did they grow? They grew by meeting together. They believed, baptized, and again, they got connected. They don't, this is, and I've met people who've done this. They believe, they're baptized, and everything else, and they go off and do their own thing. That's not what God has called us to do. Genuine, genuine fellowship. Yes, we gather as Big groups, but we also gather together in smaller groups to build genuine relationships. You cannot have or live a successful Christian life without fellowship. We were created to fellowship. This, you know, that's where we encourage one another, church. That's where we stand with one another. That's where we build one another up. I cannot, cannot emphasize that enough. Because when we stand alone, we are easily knocked out. When we stand together, it makes it way harder for us to fall. We are created to, for fellowship. We are created by God to have Him at the center, to worship Him. We are created to fellowship, fellowship with other believers. Number three, the third reason we were created, because God wants us to grow in spiritual maturity. God wants us to grow, to become spiritually mature. He wants me to become like Christ. That's what spiritual maturity is. God doesn't leave us here on earth just to be spiritual babies. No, He doesn't. He wants us to invest, be intentional about our growth. Growing and knowing His Word, trusting His Word, trusting and growing in our obedience to Him. Growing in our fellowship with one another. Basically developing and becoming more like Christ. That's what spiritual growth is. I think the word that captures them, this word is called discipleship. The whole idea of being a disciple, if you look at the Greek, the whole word is being a student, a learner. Are you a lifelong, long, a lifelong learner? Because that's what we are called to be. If you tell me you've been born and brought up in the church and know everything there is to know about Christ, I hope you are living like Christ. Amen. Living more like Christ. Church, again, to see a person who's been in church their whole life, yet a spiritual baby is quite a sad, it's quite a tragedy actually. Amen. God wants us to grow in our knowledge and wisdom of the word. And you know, as you do that and as you pursue that, your life slowly but surely will be transformed into Christ-likeness. And that's what the world needs right now. Let me challenge you again. We're right here in the beginning of this new year. And as you look ahead, just this one year, I want you to ask yourself the question, what is one area in, your, in my spiritual life that I need to grow in this year? Whether it be spending more time with the Bible, in the Bible, spending, being involved in ministry, whether it be becoming less snappy with kids or spouse or being more patient with the people at work, whatever it is, they're great intentions, but unless you get down to really doing it, it really doesn't matter. It's kind of funny because I was writing that and I'm like, you know, I want to be more patient and I pray about it with the kids and everything else. And when I just decide to do that, somehow the devil gets into them, you know, and rubs you the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny how that happens. I hope I'm not taken out of context. The devil gets into my kids. But you want to learn how to be patient and you pray for patience. Guess what? Someone's going to come along who's going to test you in that area. Just great intentions are great. But it really doesn't add up to something unless you 
pursue, determine, make a plan, and stick with it. What is your plan for spiritual growth this year? What is your plan for spiritual growth this year, church? And all your plans will add up to nothing unless it just starts by spending time in His presence. That's it. Spending time in His presence, and it doesn't have to be in your small little corner somewhere far away. It doesn't have to be. Maybe just driving while you drive. Whatever you do, spend time with God where you are talking to Him, and you are taking in what He has to say to you too. Be intentional. Because God desires, God's purpose is for us to grow spiritually, to grow into spiritual maturity. And we've got to be intentional about it. So we're called and created to worship God. We are created to fellowship with one another. We are created to grow spiritually. Church, this is what God desires from us. But this is what we have got to be willing to pursue as well. We have got to make that decision because this does not happen automatically. Age does not bring growth. It's being intentional and making a plan and going and sticking with it. Find, finding someone who will keep you accountable with it. That's how you're going to grow. Because that is what God's plan and purpose is for your life. Amen. You have got to make the choice. Worship, fellowship. Spiritual maturity, number four, the fourth reason you were called, uh, the fourth reason you were created, the fourth purpose in your life is to serve. Is to serve. Church, this is, again, so important in our lives because God desires, God desires for us to take in, but he also asks and expects us give out. Contribute, if I can say. Something back. He doesn't want to, again, leave you here on earth, doesn't put you here on earth, just live for yourselves and build your own kingdom. You're called to serve, to serve others. I know this might sound harsh, but if you're just going to live for yourselves, why should God leave you here, leave you here on earth? God may as well, you know, hasten up the process, take you home, I guess. I don't know. God wants you, wants us to learn to be servants, to serve one another. Servant is not selfish, it's unselfish. You got to learn to be generous with your time, your tithe, your talents. He wants you to learn to serve others with whatever ability that He has given you. Church, when you are willing to serve, when you have the heart of a servant, God will open doors and opportunities for you to serve. Let me say that again. If you have the right heart, if you, have the, you make the decision, make the conscious choice, and are intentional about God, I want to serve, God will open doors for you to serve. First Peter 4, it tells us each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. To serve others. God has given each of us special abilities. And we are supposed to use those gifts, those talents to help one another. It never says anywhere in the Bible, I use my talents to make a lot more money for myself. Never says that. God gave you the talents and the abilities, the gifts and the spiritual gifts... Your heart, your emotions, God has created you in a unique way so that you will fulfill a unique purpose in serving others. Yes. Your personality, God will use your personality even though you think nobody else can tolerate you. Let me tell you this, if you are willing, God will use you. Because we are called to give back, if I had to use a word, it's called your ministry. When you give back, you're making and investing something. Let me put it this way. You're investing something into a person's life, another person's life that will impact his life for eternity, whether you see the results or not. Amen. That's why we serve. That's why we are called to serve. Whether they recognize you or not, whether they acknowledge you or not, realize that you are impacting someone's life for eternity because you're willing to serve. That's what your ministry is. That's what your purpose God has called you to. 
tells us we are called to, the Bible tells us we are called to serve God. I mean, he himself said what? I came to serve, not to be served. Church, let me tell you this. From my limited experience as a Christian and a pastor, when you serve people with no, string, no strings attached, you experience something that I really cannot explain. When you genuinely serve people with no strings attached, something, you know, it does something to you. It's not, you know, it's not about pride and you saying, oh, see how I've served somebody. It's not that at all. But there is a sense of joy and fulfillment and contentment because you realize you have impacted someone's life for eternity. Again, church, you're not just called here to take up space and use up some of the oxygen that we have here. You're called to make a contribution. You're called to serve you were made for significance. I like what one preacher said. You, you're shaped uniquely for significance. And that significance is not fun in running around trying to build your own kingdom. But building the kingdom of God. Serving and building the kingdom of God. And honestly, as a, as a pastor and even as a teacher at the high school, I've talked to a number of people who crave significance. Let me tell you what I've told many people. Significance doesn't come from the kind of car you drive, doesn't come from the amount of money you make. Significance comes by serving the Lord and serving His church. That's how you really, that's how, that's when your life really matters. Where are you making an unselfish contribution to the world and to the church? Where am I serving without any strings attached, whether it be in the world or in the church? What is your ministry? How are you using your gifts and your talents to build the kingdom of God? Starting here at the church. We were created for worship. We were created for fellowship. We are created for, to grow spiritually. We are called to serve. And number five, the fifth purpose, the fifth reason is to be witnesses. Witnesses. God wants us to tell others about Him. God wants us to tell others about His love. If you have experienced His love, you cannot keep it quiet, church. God wants us to enjoy His love, His joy, His grace, His peace, His mercy. He wants us to enjoy the blessings that come from following Him. But He also wants us to share that good news with others. He wants you to tell others about His love. He wants you to tell others about the joy you have, about the peace you enjoy. He wants you to be a witness, to share the good news. Because how else will they hear it? How else will they hear it, church? We're called in the Bible, if you read Corinthians, we're called to be what they call ministers of reconciliation, making peace, yes, with God, but also calling others into this relationship with God. We are all called, church, we are all called to be witnesses. And let me say this, you don't have to explain the whole Bible to them or preach to them, just tell them what God has done for you. That's it. Think about this. In a court of law, a witness is called not, and listen to this carefully, a witness is called not to give his opinion about something. He's called to do what? Tell them what he saw. Tell them what you experienced. That's your testimony. That's all. Tell them what you have experienced when you gave your heart to Christ, what have you experienced? I have experienced this joy. I have experienced this peace. Yes, I enjoy. I mean, I, I can go through the toughest situation in my life, but I know God is in control, so I'm not going to freak out. And when they see you live your lives according to what God has called you to live your lives, not in pride, not in condemnation, not with arrogance, but in humility, and you tell them what God has already done for you, Amen. that's how you will witness to them. That's how they will hear the word. Church, again, we know you can do it by the way you live your life, but don't forget to use your words too. 
You don't, again, we don't say this in condemnation and coming in judgment about them and telling them how good we are or how good our life is because we are in Christ. No, we do this with humility. But please, please, please do not stop from sharing what God has done for you. Because that is the most powerful story ever. Many years ago, I asked myself this question. How can a person I meet today know Christ better? Uh, I'm not saying I go and tell everybody about Jesus as soon as I see them or anything. But I've asked myself the question. When someone comes to meet me and talk to me or whatever, counsel, whatever, I've always asked myself the question, when he walks away, does he walk away knowing Christ more? Now, he can make the decision to follow him or not follow him, do whatever. But have you asked yourself the question? The person I'm going to meet at work today, he's going to sit and talk to me for like a while. He's going to have lunch with me. How will he know Christ better at the end of my time with him? Worship, fellowship, spiritual growth, service, witness, church. Please understand this. When you have this desire, God will open doors. When you really have, have a prayer, God, help me to share your love with somebody. God will open the door for you to share Christ with them. I mean, you can invite them to church. You can invite them to a small group. You can invite them, I don't know, to a Bible study you're doing. God will open doors if you are willing to live according to his purpose. Worship, fellowship, maturity, serving, witnessing. That's what we are called to do. Please understand, even now, none of them... None of these things come naturally to us. I wish I could say, once I gave and received Christ, that's it. My life automatically, he became the center of everything I do. I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time now, but I still got to deliberately, consciously, intentionally put him and make him number one in my life every day. It just doesn't happen automatically. Why did God create you? What is your purpose in life? It's to worship him. You have got to make the choice to worship Him. Fellowship, you've got to make the choice to love others like He loves you. That might push you outside your comfort zone. Maybe, hey, go grab coffee with someone, go have lunch with someone, it doesn't matter. Build genuine relationships within the body of Christ. That's what we are called to do. To grow in Him. To grow into His likeness. Again, it's a, it's a deliberate choice we have to make. It's a choice we have to make as we spend time in His presence. Spend time in His Word. Church, there's no, there's no formula or equation, you know. i got to spend five minutes in prayer, five minutes reading the Bible, and five minutes telling people about Christ, and that's it. No, it's not that. It's being conscious every moment of every day. I want to be more like Him. How am I reflecting Him? It's just a walk you have with God every day. That's how you grow. Serving. Service. A heart of servitude, I guess. Witness. Again, church, it doesn't come naturally, but we've got the Holy Spirit, right? He gives us, and the promise is, this Holy, is His Holy Spirit who walks alongside us. He gives us each other so that we can help you. The purpose, one of the main purposes the church, I feel, one of the main ter- purposes the church exists is so that you can live your lives according to the purpose to which God has called you. We exist as a church to encourage one another to fulfill what God has called us to do. As a pastor, to help you worship Him more. To help you fellowship with one another. To help you grow in your maturity. To help you serve one another. To help you in your witness too. It's part of the reason we have each other. To encourage each other into this purpose. Into this calling. To fulfill what we are created to. To do. It's a choice, church. It's a choice you have to make. If you're asking the question, why am I created? Why am I even living? Why am I even in church? I 
tell you the reasons right now. And again, this is not an excuse. I'm sure there's more than this. I just picked five points. Five reasons you were created for. Five reasons you were called to do. God's will in your life. Stand with me at this time, church. Let me challenge you once again. If you've been a Christian for a short time and a long time. What is your spiritual plan for the year? We were created, well, we are created to worship. We are created to fellowship. We are created to grow spiritually. We are created and called to serve one another. And we are created and called to be a witness to others. Now, which area in your life, in these five that I've given you, do you need to grow in this year? As you reflect on this church, let me say this. As you pursue this calling upon your life, as you pursue these things that I've talked about in your life, God will direct you and and help you and guide you through the most specific decisions you have to make in your everyday life. Again, this may not be news to you and you've probably heard this said several times, but I want to challenge you. Go home and make a plan on what you need to work on. How can I make Christ at the center of my life? How can I reflect and fellowship with one another? How can I serve God and His family better? How can I grow into being more like Christ? How can I... God, just give me the boldness to witness to someone. Let's reflect on that a couple of minutes, church. Even as we worship Him. heart, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Everything within me, God, I give to you once again, Lord. Yes, Lord, I live for you and you alone, God. Every breath that I take, God, every moment I'm awake, Lord, just have your way in my life, God.
church this morning, I just, as every head is bowed and every eye closed, as every head is bowed and every eye closed, I just, I've got to ask, church, because it all begins by making Christ the center of your life. Making Christ the center. That's where it starts. And this morning, I've got to ask whether it be the first time or for the, somehow in the busyness of life, somehow he's just moved away from center. But if that's your desire, once again, that this morning, Christ, you be the center. You be the center of my life. You be the center of my family. You be the reason I live. That's your decision you want to make again today. I just want you to really quick, while every head is bowed, every eye closed, just slip your hand up so that I can pray with you. Thank you. Just making an intentional decision, church. I want you, God, to be the center of it all. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God sees your hands. God knows your hearts, church. God, I just pray, God, especially for those. I pray for all of us, but I pray especially for those who lifted their hands up right now, God. You see their hearts, God. Lord, and I pray, God, that you will just, Lord, honor, God, the decision that they're making today, God. Give them the strength, God, to just, Lord, to put you, God, once again in the middle of their lives, Lord. Give them the strength, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit will once again, God, empower them, God, to live in a way that honors you, God, that reflects you, God, that you be number one, Lord, once again. Yes, God, Lord, and I pray that you help us as the body of Christ, Lord, to encourage one another, God, to pursue the call of God in our lives, to worship you with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our strength, to fellowship with one another, God, to serve one another, to grow together, Lord, into your likeness, God, and to be a witness, God, as individuals, as families, and a church. Yes, God, I pray, God, You give us the strength. We give you praise. We give you glory, Lord. For you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray this. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we'll see you. Don't forget, we have online service on Wednesday. So hopefully see you there.